0: For those who are sitting on the floor in the back, you're welcome to come up here you won't be alone because there are also already some brave people, and I will not harass you any more than I harass anyone else uh, Stand up comedy, aren't they? Well uh, I thought that was pretty subtle you know I mean I was just kind of equal opportunity harassment. I'm sure you're, you'll harass me back. I trust. So, can you see the stains on my sweater? Because really, this thing's about 15 years old, and I put it on tonight just because it was comfortable. And then I was like, "Oh my God!" Because when you start getting old, you do start you start doing stuff like that. You, you know, you just you have stains on your clothes, and you just. There's a lot of drooling going on. And, And of course, you don't buy new clothes once you're old because who cares what you look like anymore. Um, But the advantage is that it's it's good to be an old Buddhist teacher, right? Because that makes it seem like, you know, you're like a guru. (laughs) If I could grow a beard, that would work too, but... uh, they're so itchy, I don't know how people can stand them. <laughs> but anyway, and I promised myself I wasn't going to be stupid tonight, see, once again. it's You know those vows that you make every day? Well, it's kind of like that, you know, I'm not going to drink today. And then by midnight, you know. Well, uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, uh, actually, for all of you, I am Kevin Griffin, and this is called uh, Dharma and Recovery. It's a monthly class that Spirit Rock has been uh, supporting for uh, some many years now. and uh, It's the second Friday of the month. Originally, it was the first Friday, which was much better because it was alliterative. And then I got into a streak where I kept being out of town on the first Friday, and so I kept having to get substitutes and cancel, so I switched it to the second Friday. So then it didn't, it was just. Anyway, second Friday. I also will mention a much harder time thing to figure out the fourth Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Berkeley, the fourth Tuesday of each month at the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. And they don 't charge you with the door when you come in there, so it 's a monastery. Um, what we 'll do tonight, uh, at least the plan, is that we will meditate for a certain period of time, something in the realm of thirty minutes, and I will give some guidance in that activity. Uh, And then maybe some time to talk about meditation, a little break, and then uh, some kind of a talk. And I usually orient my talk uh, somehow about the step of the month, this being April. That would be step four. And uh, we'll see how that works out. I don't have a lot planned. I'm leaving tomorrow for um, Points East, and I get really nervous the day before I travel and then I can't plan a Dharma talk because I'm too, like, running around the house trying to remember the things I've forgotten. Plus, I had to watch the Masters for, like, four hours today, so that was...
1: It's
0: <laughs> the thing when you work at home. Work at home. And there's a television set. Um, what else do we need to talk about before we get started? Well... I guess we don't have to talk about the Warriors, but I was worried until last night, so it looks like everything's okay, but I think we should just forget about Sunday night and let them lose. <laughs> Let's just take a poll here. <laughs> How many people think it's important to beat the Bulls' 72-win <laughs> record? You think it's important? I mean, like, what's more important? You know, to get rest. <laughs> How many think people think it's more important to rest the starters than it is to <laughs> to win the get the record? I think there were more people wanted the record. It's interesting. Are there any other
1: choices?
0: Uh, <laughs> we don't care about people who don't care.
1: <laughs> so that
0: would be the other choice. You're, you know, it's it's your right, although in the Bay Area right now there aren't many, it seems, which is wonderful. I, I think sports can really bring people together. Sometimes. <laughs> but the Warriors aren't like a basketball team. They're like enlightened. <laughs> they are. They're like martial artists. It's like Crouching Tiger, you know, flying... Dragon, the way they play, right? It's just incredible. You have to watch them for the spiritual experience. That's Phil, Jackson Steve Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr, what? That's because Phil Jackson Steve right, Kirk. exactly. Uh, Steve Kerr is a meditator. And, he, and I believe he does train his players in mindfulness. And uh, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that Steve Kerr was on the team that won the 72 games. And now he's on coaching the team. Okay, I'm sorry. I know some people just are like, I didn't come here for this. (laughs) I know, I'm I'm a little irresponsible. But I don't drink or use anymore. (laughs) That keeps me out of major trouble. (laughs) The, The big ones, you know. I haven't been arrested in a while. (coughs) I have gotten tickets for, you know, going through a stop sign, but I don't think that counts, right? In sobriety, you know. We still speed. Okay, so um, maybe I should talk about something. Here, Flyer, five-day retreat, June, with me. This is a great retreat. It's a beautiful center in... uh, Southern Washington Cloud Mountain Retreat Center. And uh, we do a lot of meditation and we do some step work and have meetings and, uh, and then my wonderful Qigong teacher He's not on here. But uh, if you're interested in going a little deeper with your practice, grab a flyer and check it out, think about it, come up. So uh, that's more than enough prelude. Let us, uh, let us meditate. gently closing your eyes or lowering your gaze if you're not comfortable closing your eyes and just bringing the attention into your body letting your awareness come into the body Just noticing your posture, the way your body is aligned, so that you're sitting upright and in a way that you can be alert, the mind can be clear, but still that you're comfortable and able to relax. So having a sense of releasing tension in the body, Relax the facial muscles, the jaw, the small muscles around the eyes, the forehead. Relaxing the shoulders. Softening the belly, letting the breath move deeply into the belly. The chest open. And noticing where in the body you feel clear sensations, where you can be particularly aware of feeling. (laughs) And then also noticing where You don't feel much at all. So just kind of scanning your body to notice these differences. Noticing that the dynamic quality of sensation, how changing and all kinds of movement in the quality of sensations, and there may be pulsing or throbbing, there may be tingling, maybe a feeling of heaviness or lightness. All of this is part of mindfulness of the body, seeing this life of the body, the activity, the richness of sensation moment by moment. You know, we use the breath as a central focus. It gives us something specific to pay attention to rather than the more general feeling of the body. So you can pay attention to the breath at the nostrils where the air comes in and out, or at the belly as it rises and falls. We're not trying to suppress thoughts or push away sounds or other sensations. All of those things are natural experiences that can be noticed with mindfulness. So when the attention to the breath is interrupted or the mind drifts off we just notice that acknowledge it and gently come back this isn't a mistake or a failure doesn't mean you're doing it wrong For some people, sometimes, the mind will be able to stay with the breath. But much of the time, most people find that the mind wanders quite a bit. Even so, making this gentle effort to come back repeatedly to the breath is a beneficial effect. And the mind does begin to focus and settle over time. We just have to create the space and the circumstances for that. we also use the breath for its calming quality. As we exhale and release, we release not only air, but tension from the body. So when we find ourselves tense or mind running off a lot We focus particularly on that calming exhale to bring ourselves back to release that tension to let go The challenge of practice to a great extent is how to engage and make an effort an effort to be present to be with the breath without creating a kind of competitive or judgmental mind It's grasping after certain experience or a certain result. So to do our best and to let go of the results, that's practice and it's very much also what our program tells us. Oh, yes, if there are any questions about our meditation practice uh, at this time, I'd be happy to uh, discuss them. Yeah, hi. Hi. Is it, if you're on an airplane, is
2: it alright to meditate on an airplane, like with, you know, like like with people all around you, or would you be too vulnerable while you
1: meditate?
0: Uh, I, I always meditate on airplanes oh, whenever I'm on them, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what the grammar of that was. But, um, usually I actually put on noise-canceling headphones and some kind of uh, white noise or something because the sound is a little unpleasant. But in terms of you know being vulnerable, I'm, I think it's a pretty safe place uh what would be your concern like somebody would rob you or something, Psychically attack you or something. <laughs> do you often have these fears <laughs> <laughs> oh i just wonder i don't know it's no i I, I mean i think i think actually state. it's wise to be a little cautious about meditating in public um, uh, when i do it i try to kind of keep it low key You know, so it's not like I'm sitting there, like, with my eyes rolled back in my head or something, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, a lot of people meditate on BART. You see them meditate. You can tell they're meditating because they're sitting up straight. They're not slumped. They're sitting up straight and their eyes are closed. And clearly they're doing some kind of inner practice. And so, yeah, um, I think it's fine. You know, one of the things you can do, though, if you're not that comfortable, is just... (laughs) If you want to meditate, is to sit with your eyes open. You know, just kind of lower your gaze, and you're just sitting and following your breath. And
1: you know, yeah.
0: it might not be the most, the deepest meditation, but I think it's beneficial. You know.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you going somewhere? You have a trip planned? Uh, yeah, because I am tomorrow. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm going to be on a plane. God willing. Okay, all right. Well, the fellow right beside her.
3: Um, you know what you're saying, that get in a comfortable position. I, I can't do that. There's I, no I've
0: position had, in which you're comfortable. There is com- no comfortable position. You have some physical problems?
3: Yeah. Had a lot of trauma to the body. Yeah. injuries. So, I want, you know, the idea of keeping your back straight and sitting. Yeah. I mean, I just did that, but it wasn't comfortable. Yeah. And then I've heard, well, you're not supposed to lie down
0: there. And I probably fall what about sitting in a chair
3: <laughs> that 's just so western <laughs>
0: yeah, that 's just idea. so ego
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I could, uh, you know i mean that 's just I, I mean when when my knees went or when my the, the knee that went went uh, which was about ten years ago, and I had to kind of permanently switch out of sitting on the floor it was it was hard for me too I mean just you know image wise i'm mean, here I am like supposed to be a meditation teacher, and I have to sit in a chair and um but after a while, I just found well first of all, I mean you know it's not it doesn't make much sense to you know hurt hurt yourself. Undergo pain so that you look good for other people. I mean, I know so that a lot of people a, that do was that.
3: Actually, a joke. I'm kind of doing it to try to get
0: uh, know, that. Um, I'm sorry. Body, I was but. having such a good riff. I was <laughs> just get, about to start to talk about high heels and <laughs> right. things like that. But so, well, have you tried meditating lying down?
3: Yeah. Um, what's your take on that? I mean,
0: uh, it's one of the four classical postures the uh-huh. Buddha recommended. The the Main challenge is falling asleep, so you it's probably best to have your eyes open when you do that practice. Um, if and it dep- depending on the level of pain. I mean, if you really if it's really like you know wrenching kind of pain in any sitting posture, then yeah, it's lying down is probably wise. But uh, if it's you know if it's not too much, you know. Comfortable is a relative thing, you know. You can sit with a certain amount of right. of discomfort. Yeah. So you were just, like the whole question was kind of a joke? Is that what you're saying?
3: <laughs> no, no. I was just wondering because my mind kept going back to the fact that I was feeling kind of... I mean, it's not bad. It's a good stretch to sit like that. Uh-huh. that you know, you were saying get in a comfortable Yeah.
0: Well, we. we I, I, I'm going to say we say that, meaning... You know, teach. You know, the meditation teachers at Spirit Rock. We say that so that people will not get into like a rigid. You know, oh, I'm supposed to sit like this. You know, and then like full lotus or something. So that people will realize, oh, you can be kind of at ease. And um, so it's yeah, it's it's just kind of a a general guidance and. Indeed, for many of us, comfort is not something that is there a whole lot. Thanks, yeah. though. So. And uh, yeah, there's a question up front. Thank you for handling the microphone, by the way. Um, you had mentioned in the in the beginning, you said um, feel the relaxation
2: on the exhale, and,
0: and uh-huh, right. I, I find it to be much more relaxing on the inhale. Um. Am I doing something wrong? <laughs> no, I, I just generally exhalation is a time of kind of release. So it's a, you know, there's, you breathe in, and the body kind of tends to rise a little bit, and then as you breathe out, it's there's sort of a but, and that's sort of from yoga. You know, I've gotten that too. You know, when you get in a posture and then you breathe into it, and as you exhale, you kind of go a little deeper into the posture. Um, but it's you know, if that's how you feel it, it's, it's fine. It's, it was, I was mainly trying to trying to uh, point towards the idea of using the breath as a relaxation tool. So if it works on the inhalation, great.
1: Um, so I have in my meditation practice. In my meditation practice, um, at home, I I show up here and I go into this zone, which is not common for me. Other places didn't happen quite as much tonight because my mind is really active. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't quite tell if it's sleep, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's, it seems to, I mean, the last time I was here, I, you know, kind of fell uh-huh, off right. my chair a little, but it doesn't quite feel like sleep. And I don't know if that's something to shift and yeah. get myself out of.
0: Well, without hearing more about it, I'm going to guess that it's what we call sinking mind. Actually, the Tibetans use that term. Do you know that term? I do, yeah. So if it, if you're talking about kind of a state that's kind of pleasant and dreamy, and there aren't really, you don't feel like you're really thinking, but there's kind of
1: there's visual, you yeah, know, there's just like dreamy visuals.
0: So that it's not considered a productive state. So it's it's wise at, at that point to try to. You know, strengthen your posture. Take some deeper breaths. Maybe, maybe even open your eyes and just kind of snap out of it a little bit. Um,
1: it's just the peace of this place, or maybe your voice. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it doesn't happen no, often.
0: Yeah, and you know, it it gets kind of warm in here when there's a lot of bodies in here, and and uh, yeah, uh, it, and it's and it is uh, a pleasant thing, and you you know, so it can be hard to pull yourself back from that. Um, but, you know, trying to figure out, like, causes, it's just, it's just happening. It's, you know, it's not, nothing to, what's more, what's more important is to work with it, and, uh,
1: yeah. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks for asking. Okay. So that's very common. I know, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that. Yes.
2: So, going off, um, her, What minds like? What is it? Could you paint a picture for um, the state that we that we want to be in? What Uh. you know? (laughs) Where we're looking to to go?
0: You're there. Mm? (laughs) We're not trying to go anywhere exactly, and and I appreciate that uh, question because I think it's a. It's a natural inclination for us when we do meditation to kind of have the sense that something's supposed to happen, you know and and that there is some state that uh, is kind of like the meditation place that that people get to And I think that's largely just uh, or at least partly. Just because when we hear the word meditation, we have an image of what it means, and then the way it's portrayed in our culture, you know, as like, you know, incense and candles and bliss, you know, you start thinking, oh, it's going to be like this really floaty space where I'm really peaceful, and you can go there sometimes, you know, the... I mean, it's important to understand that what we're doing here and what, what I'm trying to teach is founded in mindfulness. So mindfulness is about being aware of whatever is happening. Now, there are practices that are about getting to a place. So, and those are mostly concentration practices, and you run into them in like Hindu tradition where you're trying to evoke states of bliss or states of peace or emptiness... And that's like a goal. In Buddhism, we don't point to that so much as a goal. We recognize that along the way you might fall into those places for a while, in and out. But it's actually not that helpful to have that as a goal because being in a pleasant state or a really quiet, peaceful, blissful state it's still an impermanent state, and it doesn't change anything. And the, the goal in Buddhism isn't to, to have an experience, but it's rather to have insight. Mm-hmm. Actually, what Joseph Goldstein calls the experience of insight, which make, takes a little explanation. But, but the idea is that, you know, experiences are all impermanent. And you can you can create experiences. You can take drugs and have an experience, you know. But what we're trying to do is change our whole way of relating to our minds and to the world by seeing what is really true, seeing the cause of suffering, seeing how everyone shares those experiences, seeing how nothing can be held onto. Uh, so that uh, seeing how the places where we get stuck. And so when we start to see all that stuff, then we relate to our experience differently. So we can have the same experience, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, <laughs> but because if we're not attaching to it, or, you know, like, oh, I've got a good thing, or oh, well, this is unpleasant, I don't like this. If we're not in that relationship of wanting or not wanting, if we're more in a, an experience of openness, acceptance, observing, what we called equanimity, then our whole life changes, and that's much more valuable than meditating in order to have some experience, you know, that, I mean, one of the dreams of, of, you know, when you hear about meditation, at least when I heard about meditation is I'm going to have this experience that's going to change me so that I won't be me anymore. Basically, you know, that was kind of... even I wouldn't have put it in those terms, but if you look at what I wanted, I wanted to be somebody who didn't get depressed anymore and, like, didn't have any problems, you know, and, right, the perfect relationship and then, like, whatever, you know, rich and famous and all the sex I wanted, whatever, you know. Just, you, you, oh, I'm going to get enlightened and that's going to be this. But really, it's like, that's... An image, that's a fantasy. You know. And there's, We don't ever get to live a fantasy. Because no matter where you get to, you're still going to have a body, you're still going to have a mind, and those things are problems.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I know meditation. I know like the, the outlook... Helps me in my life all the time. Yeah. And I just have this little, like, second question, I guess. Which Good. is when, so I go, okay, I'm supposed to meditate. This is going to help me. Uh-huh. And then I say, okay, I focus on my breath. Mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: And then I think, and then I go, okay. Yeah. Thinking back to breath. And I'm just wondering... That's why
0: you like, why am I doing this?
2: Yeah, I'm just wondering
0: what, why I'm doing this. Yeah.
2: Like, what, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> there, uh, there's a variety of benefits that we get from meditation. Uh, one is, and the most immediate one, is that we get to be quiet and calm down a little bit. And there's a natural, I mean, they call it stress reduction, whatever you want to call it. Just like, you know, you take intentional time to relax. And that has physiological and psychological benefits that are now getting researched, and we're seeing that there's, there's benefit to that. So, But you don't, it's not like, take this pill, boom, you know, I'm fixed. You know, it's subtle. It isn't obvious, and it and depending upon causes and conditions and your present moment mind state when you're doing it, you might feel it or you might not. Or it, you know, it's it's not. You know, it doesn't work like a drug. It's it's a practice. It's a process. So, there, but there is generally there's that inclining towards less stress, more more of a peaceful state. Um. There's also more clarity of mind so that you start to see your own thoughts more clearly. And, and when you see your own thoughts with wisdom, when you, that is, if you get, you know, if you have some teachings to go along with oh, observing them, then you start to see how you get stuck, the places where you get caught. And you can make different choices in the moment oh, I'm not going to act out on this feeling of anger, or, you know, oh, maybe I don't need to have an, another bowl of ice cream, or, you know, what, whatever the thing is that's kind of the trigger in that moment, because there's more clarity of mind, there's more awareness that's developing, that is developed, you know, you, you engage in your life in a more skillful way. But again, this is something, it's not like it happens overnight, or that it's like you just... You're always so together. It's just it's it's like these subtle changes that happen in our lives. And it, you know, I, I've kind of joked around with another Dharma teacher who's been practicing even longer than I, and he's he's like, I don't know. You know, I've been practicing for forty years. I don't. Would I be different if I hadn't meditated all these years? I don't know. I mean, I know my life would be radically different. If I hadn't stopped drinking and using thirty years ago that's that's very clear, and to me there's a connection you know because all of that you know is reinforced they they go hand in hand the recovery and the and the practice but um so to be to give one example of what we're talking about when we're talking about insight and and to me this is one of the essential this to me this is the essential insight, although other Teachers emphasize different other ones. You know, the Buddha says the cause of suffering is clinging and kind of and grasping, like getting caught in desires. And if you're meditating and you watch your experience, you can see that happening in real time. You can, when you catch your mind off like fantasizing, you know, oh, Hawaii, great. And then you come back, and you're like, oh, I'm not in Hawaii. And then you feel your body, you feel the tension in your body, the, you feel the that thing in your mind. Yeah, contraction, kind of like... Eh. And, and right then, you're feeling like exactly what the Buddha said. That's the second noble truth. Wow, it's true that sitting here thinking about something I want actually makes me uncomfortable. My mind thinks that it's going to get it or it's going to make me feel better. I'm grasping it, but it's not. It's not working. So... So right then, you've had insight into the second noble truth. You've had direct experience of it. And then you come back and you relax, maybe on your inhalation or your exhalation, whichever one you relax on. But as you relax back into your body, you feel how just arriving back here and letting go of that is a momentary sense of freedom and letting go. That's the third noble truth. So you've just experienced two of the Four Noble Truths in real time. And that's, that's insight. And then what we, want, we do with that is we try to remember that. And we try to reinforce that insight and see all the times, oh, there I go again, you know, let me pull him back. And just so that our lives become less about chasing after satisfaction and more about letting go. So that seems like a good point at which to uh, take a break. So i uh, take about eight or ten minutes and meet somebody, say hello to someone, uh, be friendly, and we'll come back and ring a bell in a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.